Welcome to the BWI Hoops Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That game last night, if, if it got under your skin watching Penn State uh, unsuccessfully play Rutgers, and I think there's only really a couple ways to describe what happened uh, last night, you're not the only one. Head coach Micah Shrewsbury had a lot to say. He packed a lot into about five minutes of a press conference. We're going to talk about what he said with basketball insider Nate Bauer coming up on the Hoop Show. Welcome to the friendly banter portion of the show. I haven't seen or talked to Nate in a couple days now. This is probably the longest I've gone without seeing or talking to you, Nate. How are you today? What's going on? I'm I'm great. I've missed you. It's good to be back. What's going on? Let's let's as the kids say, let's chop it up. There's yeah, much man. to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we've we've got a snowstorm going on in Happy Valley today. <laughs> Um, we were talking about that pre-show. I was being an old man about it, which is not surprising. Um, but, you know, we're here recording on a snowy Wednesday afternoon. If you're listening to the Hoops podcast, make sure you give us a, a like on and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're growing this show. So starting out here, it's not just the, the friendly banter. It's the news and notes. And this is actually a pretty important part of the show for a growing show. And I know you hear this all the time on every YouTube channel, every video. I talk about it all the time. And trust me, if I could skip this part too, I would. But we are trying to grow this so that it's a you know part of our uh, Blue White Illustrated daily edition press conference packages on YouTube. And to make that happen, to get people interested in this team, we can't control what happens on the court. And last night, what happened on the court is not going to get people interested in Penn State basketball. But if you are one of those people that is in, like it's you're in, please like the video. Because when you like the video, it helps with the algorithm and a bunch of things that I don't understand. And Nate, I never wanted to understand. I never wanted to care about algorithms, SEO, any of that hot garbage. But we live in an age where you have to. So here we are. And uh, please, like the video and subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on a larger sense. We are so close to 10,000 subscribers. It's killing me. We have been creeping towards 10,000 for about a month and a half now. So help us out. Uh, tell a friend. Um, I don't buy one, get one free. It's free, so you get one for free if you, if you sign up. Please do all of those things. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, let's get into it, though, Nate. Yeah. Let's talk about what happened last night. Your first note on here is tough game, and I feel like yeah. you're underselling that a little bit. <sighs> uh, look, uh, time allows the opportunity to reflect a little more right and to be more uh prudent about how you view things and so yeah like penn state got waxed right they lost by 20 points but not and really. they scored 45 <laughs> like also they, 45. They, they were under 50 that is a yeah. rough rough yeah. night yeah yeah but let's but let's be realistic about this right uh they they finished with 45 because they scored 11 points over the final essentially 15 minutes of the game right and so that's that's the, the story here is it's not that penn state got absolutely bludgeoned from the opening tip until the end of the game yeah. they had a 10 point deficit in the first half that they cut into and they were able to get it down to 
five at one point, right? Like kind of right before the end of the first half. And then they let that slip. It got to eight. Um, but even at eight in the beginning of the second half, we've been talking all season about the beginning of the second half being kind of this boogeyman for this team. And they were able to cut it to three. They, yeah. they, they played well. They, they actually had a hot start and were good out of the gates in the second half. Uh, and then it just really went away. They, 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 you know, it's uh, Sisyphus, right? They, they, they literally had it right at the top, right? They were right. almost over the mountain. They were three points back and they had three looks at three that would have tied the game and missed all three. And in, on the backside of that, uh, you know, Rutgers just got hot. Rutgers got hot. Penn state's defense collapsed because they couldn't get there. And yeah. that's, that's what you had. I mean, if I, I, <laughs> I hate to do this for effect, but I, I feel like I have to, uh, this is, this is the, the mismake turnover, like actual breakdown from 1435 where, Jalen Pickett's layup cut it to three uh, for the first time until 4:58 left in the game. Do you Missed mind if three. I put this on the screen? I'm gonna. Yeah, go I'm gonna yeah. I don't normally like to put our notes on the screen, but you have a good photo of it here, so I wanna I wanna share this with everybody who's watching on YouTube. So give me you you start, and I'll get it up on screen. Okay, so uh, so this will, the, the the graphic that you have will not include all of uh, the le- the the fouls, but miss three, miss three, miss three, made layup. Layup miss, foul. Three miss, foul. Travel turnover, made jumper. Three miss, three miss, uh, made jumper from Pickett. Foul, foul, miss, turnover, foul, block shot, foul, miss three. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. <laughs> right. You're not gonna, like if you're if you're if you're juggling between your turnovers, your fouls, and your missed shots. You, you, you can't win the game. And so a game that uh, it's just, it was really interesting to me seeing the post-game reactions, certainly it, it, Micah Shrewsbury included, and I understand where he's coming from and we'll get to all of that. Uh, but from fans, it was like, oh, well, the, you know, this huge blowout, they, they got just totally destroyed. It Well, uh, yes, but also no. And so I yeah. kind of perceive it in the same frame as, that Michigan Ohio State football game, right at the end of the yeah. at the end of the season, where you you really have a game that one team is trailing for for most of the game, but it becomes a two and three possession type blowout, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. of how you change your approach down the stretch to try to get back into. You're trying to win the game. You're not trying to lose by eight points. So right. the things that you do. And the approach that you take is is different. Naturally, uh, to to you're going to be more it. aggressive. So you're going to expose the football to uh, sack fumbles and batted balls that end up in interceptions, which y- you have to. Like, you're right. At a certain point, you have to be more aggressive. One yeah. thing I noticed from this game, and correct, this is where I want you to, to kind of give me your opinions on whether this is correct or not. Penn State is so athletic, and they when when you see their offense work, it's it's bang 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 of mm-hmm. being able to move the basketball. They've been much better about that, I think, over the last couple of weeks of really moving the basketball, trying to get the best shot, and having um, uh, more flow. This was one of the first teams I've seen that had the length and athleticism to match them in style, uh, but they also had the size in in the in the paint. Is that yeah. uh, something that you would say is correct? Or am I missing something there? 
Um, I, I just think that their Rutgers is just a brutally efficient defensive team. They they play tough defense. I, it, we always get to the officiating, and it, it just is what it is at this point. I I I don't feel like it's worth completely skipping because it's seen as sour grapes. Like I, yeah. I, I want to make a couple of things clear here. Right, I, I, this is not putting lipstick on a pig. It was a pig. Okay, they lost the game. They they got they got. Uh, you know, you lose by 20 points, you lost by 20 points. But the way that Rutgers plays is it makes just about every trip down the floor a difficult decision for officials. They put they it's purposeful. They they are mm-hmm. putting officials into a difficult spot by playing the type of aggressive defense that they do. And Penn State just the bottom line and the reality of this season, and as this year has gone on, it it has made it more and more clear is Penn State has not been able to adjust to that, right? Like Penn State just had, as a team, their physicality has not been able to match yeah. that of teams that are getting into them on the perimeter. We, so we've is talked physicality, about this the- let, let me stop you there. Yep. Is physicality a mentality or a trait? Because Jalen Pickett is a physical player, but he's also, he's yep. a thick guy, right? Um, you're, you're throwing miles dread into the paint and that's an unfair advantage for him or disadvantage for him, but he's, he's a strong player that in a, in a neutral situation with a guy, his size, he'd be physical. So Mm -hmm. is this Andrew Funk is a smaller guy and some of the freshmen are smaller or is it that they are not playing with the mentality of being physical? I I mean, I, I certainly know what Micah Shrewsbury would say, which is that they're not playing toughly tough toughness enough right like yeah. they, they are not playing with enough toughness uh I, I i think there's a balance to it i i do I, I certainly you could make the argument that it's you could try as hard as you want as a six foot four player against a person who is six foot nine and that rebound is not going to be yours because they can jump higher than you right like you you can make that argument that's fine right. But it, you can't necessarily say that all the time. You can you can make claims, and I think that he would. That hey, if you're if you're boxing out the way that you you should, if you're backing a guy down the way that you should, if you're walling up the way that you should, these yeah. are certain things that are within your control, and the things that are within your control, Penn State isn't doing at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and that that has been that has been problematic for them because they ha- they just offensively they have found open shots that they've missed and then they've they've allowed it to turn into uh not as sound defense not as tough defense as he is looking to get from them yeah i just, it's interesting that this is kind of where i'm i'm curious about the psychology of being a referee is if you if you see a guy who's big and strong and it doesn't take as much for him to be disruptive and get those sneaky fouls, but for a guy on the other side, and I think part of this too is the disparity, right? In, in, in the, the foul selection. And I know we're going to get to some of that with Jalen Pickett specifically, but just in general, uh, Penn state, it, they are a smaller, quicker team. And I just wonder like the psychology of not just being on the road and Rutgers has a hostile crowd and that part of like getting the whistle, but also Penn State is not a big team, and if you're going to try and play tough and you're going to go up against more physical players that when they back you down, you move, like, I, I, the referee can call the game a certain way. I wonder if, like, just that is part of it as well. But anyway, those, those are neither here nor there. We got to get into what I said at the top, which is 
Mike Shrewsbury was as unhappy with his team as a lot of Penn State fans were last night and uh, had some pointed, specific, and I think eloquent remarks. And if you've watched the show before, we've played his clips and, and heard from him. We're going to hear a lot from Micah Shrewsbury. He packed a lot into a five-minute press conference. So, Nate, where do you want to start with his post-game comments to paint the narrative of this game? Yeah, he he launched into a a sequence of comments about being soft, right? I just, it's toughness, it's softness, whatever you want to call it. And he even, you'll get to a clip here where he says the word petite because a reporter asked him for like a different phrasing, what what else he meant. Yeah. <laughs> he paused and he thought about it for a second and he was like, petite? I, I don't I know have, what you want me to say. I have a feeling that he was filtering out the, the uh, inappropriate ways to describe his team and had to come <laughs> up with something that was non-offensive. That's yeah, not, but he came up with a good one. I, he found he came the up, correct synonym. <laughs> he came up with a good one. Um, yeah, so it's it's look if you if you boil down what he was talking about, and, and there's a ton to talk about, but if you boil down what what he's talking about, it's a it's a twofold issue for Penn State. Uh, and the first part is that this is a team that has shaped its identity around being good offensively, about making shots. And so uh, offensively, they were not able to do that. And as you'll see in this clip here, he he converts that into problem two. You know, they took us out of some things that we wanted to do. We didn't respond well. We got open shots. We just missed open shots. I'm just disappointed in how we played defensively. I thought we were really soft. I thought they got whatever they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, so so the fact that Penn State wasn't making shots opened the door to the, a, a defensive lapse. And again, mm-hmm. let's be clear about this: it wasn't a defensive lapse for the entirety of the game. They were getting they were getting hurt in the paint in in the first. They got really they got hurt in the paint on, in both halves, but particularly in the first half, they they didn't really have an answer uh, mm-hmm. for for what Rutgers was doing. But it a, again. They were still they they did play tough for really twenty five minutes. It was just when they got to that point of the game where there was an opportunity to tie and or take a lead in that environment, swing things right momentum. We talk about it all the time. When that didn't happen, it led to this just you know complete collapse. It was an avalanche. Yeah. It was an avalanche from from Rutgers and Penn State didn't have an answer for it. Yeah, kind of a bulldozer picking up steam where you're fighting against it and you're pushing back, but suddenly you don't have any pushback and you get, you know, you get pushed off the uh, the embarkment there. Uh, yeah. What next? You mentioned he, he talks about the offense transitioning into the defense. Uh, this is where we get our favorite clip of the day, right? Yeah, no, this is this is the money, the money line to uh, him talking about what Penn State's defense has become and and really. Uh, you know, we can go back to post game after Purdue and and sort of how we framed that game, too, of just, hey, what what is this team? What does it want to be? And, and he challenged them like he straight up challenged them in the locker room, in the press conference and moving forward. Petite. Uh, I, I mean, like, I don't know what to say. Like they played grown man basketball. No matter who was on our team, they took them to the post and they scored. Right? At some point in time, you got to stand up. 
At some point in time, you gotta you gotta have some pride. And right now, we don't have any pride. I told them that. Like what I'm saying to you, I told them exactly this in the locker room. We need some pride, some prideful defenders. That's on me. I don't know how I let them become this soft defensively as a team. Right now, we're in the low 80s defensively and and dropping quickly. Like you want to be, you want to win in this league. You gotta play tough. We played soft. We got our ass kicked and ran out the door. So, you know, a lot of times we come on here and we decipher what a head coach is trying to say. And there's a lot of diplomacy and there's a lot of uh, reading between the lines. And Mm -hmm. sometimes there's some politicking and I, you know, I'll go, well, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that there's a couple other factors. There's none of that with this. You know exactly what Michael Shrewsbury feels about his team and how he feels about his players after that particular comment. Yeah, I, I I will push back though a little bit in that I, I just I don't agree necessarily that um, like it's it's just it's an interesting moment for this team and it, and it's one that they've been in before of really being kind of called to the mat even though some of their performances have been okay right like mm-hmm. I mean it's it's this is the first this is the first eight uh, like anomaly of the season. This is the first real blowout. This is the first real uh, lopsided loss that they've sustained this season to, to this degree, right? Michigan state wasn't exactly close, but uh, um, you know, they have, they have for the most part risen up when backed into a corner. It's just, there's been, there's been this delineation between, okay, they've responded when all of the chips are down but they haven't responded when it's there for the taking, right? Like when, when there's yes. been an opportunity, it's, it's, it's a, it's a small distinction, but that's like exactly it, what I was going to say. That's yeah. he made the comment of, if you're going to play like a freshman, I'll just play the freshman. You've got to make big shots. You mentioned they had three opportunities to tie it with threes and they clanged out and you've got to have your veteran players making those shots. So as much as it is anomaly that it all fell apart at the end, some of those key themes keep coming back. Yeah. I th- and, and so this is where um, I, I think it's important to have kind of a frank conversation about this is people, people look at that, right? So the, the chart that I went through and talking about like, that's a bunch of three point misses, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven miss threes. Okay, mm-hmm. over the last, you know, whatever, like a seven, eight minute stretch there in the middle of the second half. And people say, oh, well, that's that's too many threes. You got to you got to have something else that you can do in that moment. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> They're 40 percent shooters, right? Yeah. They're 40 percent shooters from from three. They, they've established this. the 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 sample size is large enough. They're, they're a great three point shooting team. Um, there are players that took those shots last night that have to make them. Yeah. Jalen Pickett included, right? Jalen Pickett, uh, Andrew Funk. Uh, and, and he was very calm and measured. Like he, he talked about uh, how Jalen Pickett isn't getting any help, but also that Andrew Funk and Seth Lundy, right? Those three guys consistently are giving them, um enough right and and i think that is true it's warranted and it's factual but 
Uh, Jalen Pickett wasn't his best self last night. Andrew yeah. Funk missed some, missed some huge shots, took some rush shots, I would say, uh, some off-balance shots. And so uh, that combination of things, of your best players showing up in the box score, but also not playing as efficiently as they can on top of no-shows, right? Yeah. Like it, there's just this balance of, of how you lay the blame. And specifically, he's going to talk about how there are goose, goose eggs is the word he uses. Yeah. Cam Winter and Miles Dreb want to combine 0 for 9. Those guys played 36 minutes combined. You can't have that. Like, like these guys are at Penn State to make these shots. That is why they were brought into the program. That is why Miles Dredd continues to be in the program, has this bonus year of eligibility. Yeah. He's there to make that shot in that moment, and it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to the next two clips. We'll play these back to back because you just set them both up perfectly, and they do tie in one to the another. The first is... Michael Shrewsbury talking about Jalen Pickett. Is is he playing to the level you're expecting of him? And where you mentioned he he turned this on its head and focused it on some other guys. I thought he was fine. Like he's been better. Uh, you know, Caleb McConnell's a good defender and gave him problems and pressuring now on the court. I didn't think um, you know, he's doing his best right now. He's carrying us for long stretches. People are doing a good job of taking funk out and he's carrying us for long stretches. Um I mean I, I like He's one of the best players in this league. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's playing like that. He's played like this all season. I would love for one of the best players in the league to get some free throws. Some of those wide-open shots, like, you got to make them, man. You got to make them. It's a make-or-miss league. Like, you know, maybe we're a little bit tight because there are crowds on top of us and yelling because those guys are flying around defensively that when you finally get an open shot, you just can't make it. And they had a huge factor in it. Um, but some of it's got to be us, man. Like, we got dudes that play a lot of basketball, a lot of basketball. You got to make an open shot on the road, man. Got have more than three people show up every single game. I'm going to tell you that right now. Like, you look at the box score, Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy, and Andrew Funk are giving us production, and then it's goose eggs down the rest of it, right? Can't play three on five and win. I need somebody to step up. I need somebody to be a man, step up, and give us something on the road. So I think that's been a conversation that you've had and we've had on this show about this team is that um, they are deep with guys that can do a lot of different things. But one of the things you said this year was like, you've got to have consistent production from all these guys. You can't have it just be the top two because Jalen Pickett is is great, but he's not a transformative athlete that is six, eight and can score from anywhere. Right. He is. He's a traditional guard who's playing, you know, as you mentioned, church basketball where he's backing guys down. He's doing all the little things. Um, they need a complete team effort, and they have not been consistently getting it this year. I think that's fair to say that they have not consistently this year gotten a team effort. Other than a, a few select players, you can take anybody away that you want to, right? In, yeah. in basketball, you can if you devote the resources to it, meaning double and triple teams, what have you, you you can take players away. And even then, <laughs> Jalen Pickett is still getting his, right? He's still scoring 18 points a game right now, eight rebounds or seven rebounds, seven assists. Like yep. he's doing all of those things. He has had an, a phenomenal season. He's a great player. How many but, triple doubles would he have if his teammates had shots? 
I mean, that's another part of this where he's getting seven rebounds or seven assists a game. And if you hit three more shots, he's on a triple double uh, streak this year. And, and that is, and that is the, the foundation of the entire offense is okay. It, it is not that they can only do one thing. They, they do many more things than one thing. It's just that when you take away the primary scoring, which is Jalen Pickett post in the post, right? Mm-hmm backing guys down and taking advantage of mismatches against smaller guards. When you take that away and put a bigger guard on him or, or a forward on him uh, and then also glue yourself to Andrew Funk, that's going to leave space for others. Yeah. That is going to create opportunities. Okay. And so it, it's not, it is not a one-sided, Oh, they only shoot threes, but the third option, if the third option is miles dread, cam winter, uh, Seth Lundy making three pointers, right. As the, as the third and fourth options, because they're wide open. Uh, you gotta make them, yeah. you gotta make them. You, you don't have to make all of them, but that's, that is a, a fundamentally different game last night. And I'm not saying that they win, right. Yeah. If they make three of the, the misses that they had, right. They, they finished four of 26 from three. It was by far their lowest three point percent percentage of the season it was by um uh, a smaller amount but still the lowest field goal percentage that they had on the season and they didn't get to the free throw line when you, when you've got all of those three happening at once you're going to lose but it doesn't mean that the plan is bad <laughs> the, yeah. the, the plan's good they've established that they can do these things yeah. uh they just didn't do them last night and that's, I think you, when you, I want to go back to what you said of it's not too many threes because if they're by design and they're not late in the shot clock with a guy's hand in your face, then it's a good, a good shot is a good shot. And yep. if you're a big 10 basketball player and you've got an open look at a three, as long as you're not one of the guys that they're designing to give that to you, you need to hit that. Like that is yep. a shot that's in the design of the offense because of everything you just set up. The other half of that is what we we already heard a um, a little snippet of how Michael Shrewsbury feels about this, but Jalen Pickett in the paint. And this whole conversation about stars getting calls. This is another thing that Michael Shrewsbury talked about, I guess, but also uh, kind of at the same time uh, is done talking about it, I guess. Not to not to say the clip before saying it, but you know, the the officiating conversation came up again. I don't know. I can't. I can't fix that. Like, I'm done sending in clips. I'm done sending in. I got to coach my team, right? I just want Jalen Pickett to shoot like more than two free throws a game. He's one of the best players in this league. He never gets fouled. How big of an issue is this? How the, how the... how disparaging is this um, from an, from outside the Penn State bubble, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, like they talked about it. The, the, the big 10 network crew talked about it after the game and more or less said the quiet part out loud, which is, uh, if Jalen Pickett was wearing a Michigan state Jersey and Tom Izzo was on the sideline, it would be different. Mm-hmm. It would be different. Like they, they, uh, Rick Pizzo, whoever was on the show last night said, Hey, uh, first and second year coaches in the league typically don't get the calls that they're looking for. Why and is this such a thing in basketball? 
and I, I, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you when you're in a, in a street, a thread, but it just seems like that's crazy that in officiating, <laughs> when we talk about officiating in any other sport, um, you know, like I think if you go to international soccer, there are jokes about like officials being bought, but you don't necessarily question the, the accuracy of the calling. Why is there such a, um, interpersonal reality when it comes to basketball officiating. And I, the reason I didn't bring up football immediately is because I don't want to be the stereotype of who I am, but it's like, you don't get that kind of conversation around football officials right. that you do around basketball officials of like, well, it's the final two minutes. So stars are in the calls here, or it's you're away on the road at Wisconsin or blah, blah, blah. Why are basketball officials in this ecosystem that we're talking about so susceptible to um, things outside of what is and is not a call. And are is this, I guess, why is the biggest question of what's going on here? Uh, you know, I think there's a few things at play. I think the central tenet is that Jalen Pickett is unusual. There aren't a lot of guys that do what Jalen Pickett does. Mm -hmm. And so they, they're just not familiar with, like, I, and this is giving the full benefit of the doubt here, that there aren't, uh, like, like, uh, blow up conspiracy talk, right? Like there's, there's no reason for any of that. The big 10 is not trying to keep Penn state down. Like uh, none of that. I think home plays a factor away plays a factor. I think uh, relative uh, unfamiliarity with coaches plays a factor. Newer coaches have a, a harder time traditionally uh, not as strong programs have a harder time, but it's not like, Oh, you're never going to get those calls. Rutgers was a bad program six years ago. Like this was right. a, a program in a similar spot last night. They, they, they got a benefit of the doubt call. I, I, I thought it was skewed in their favor and, but, but particularly it was skewed against Jalen Pickett. Jalen Pickett mm -hmm. was, was constantly, in contact right and got to the free throw line for one trip he he, he had two free throws mm. uh last night and if you look at his rate of free throws it's just it's not close it's not close mm. to the level of the other stars in the league the other high volume scores it's just it's not anywhere close to that and you cannot say oh it's because all he does is take threes Right. Right. You could say that right. about Penn State. You could say that about the team, Penn, Penn State as a team, uh, that they that they foul too often. They're not as sound defensively. I mean, he's 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 saying it himself that they're not sound defensively. Yeah. Uh, so so that's that's fine in terms of what other teams are doing. But for Jalen Pickett in particular, his game lives in the paint. His yeah. game lives uh, around the basket. And so for him to be in this spot and not be able to get to the free throw line. I think it, it like it's boiled over. And so that's, that's the thing is people are, are, I think the outside perception is they're harping on these comments as, Oh, you're complaining about the officials. He, he's literally like you're, you're harping on it too much. He's saying, Hey, I'm done. Like this is a, this is a, a yeah. dead conversation. There's, there's no getting around it at this point. It's not worth whatever fine is going to befall him in the future for, because it's not changing. Off about it. It has not changed. changed. Yeah. It has not changed. Is part of it because he doesn't drive as much as he does back guys down. Uh, and because he's not a big, right? So kind of going back to what I was saying earlier and kind of putting a finer point on this, he's not six, eight. 
So uh, the the perception is a guy who is 6'4", backing somebody down the paint, you're not like you're you're expected to have a harder time getting the ball in the basket. So if these shots are contested, that's a natural thing as opposed to a guy blowing by a defender and that defender reaching out and grabbing. And even if like the speed of it makes an official forces the official to make a call as opposed to kind of a methodical thing where there's contact bump movement, contact bump movement. And you kind of get lulled into that. I'm not trying to make an excuse for officials, but I, I agree. I I agree with the conversation around Jalen Pickett of like not getting fouls the way he plays is bizarre. And yeah. you mentioned the way he plays is unique. Is that part of that conversation? Do you think? I I, I probably a little bit. Probably just him being different. Him yeah. not being what they typically see. It, it does not match the style of play that you see just about anywhere else in the league. And so because of that. They, they, they don't call it. I mean, he like, but just the, the clip that you just played, <laughs> like uh, the, the, this is maybe inside baseball, but it makes it funny to me is uh, the way he said the last line of, he's one of the best players in the league. He starts to stand up and the SID, the, the communications director for basketball, like he stopped uh, talking. He was ready to leave. And she says, thanks guys. And he leans back to say, into, to say into the microphone who never gets fouled. Like what? Yeah. Like who never gets fouled. <laughs> he's one of the best players in the league who just doesn't get fouled. No, he's, he's, he's right. He's not, he's not wrong. Uh, I, I think it is eternally frustrating for him, but it's something that Penn state is just going to have to deal with at this point. I, I, I mean, I, you know, and uh, not uh, petitions don't seem to be working. Yeah and not allow it to affect other parts of the game. And yep. I think that's kind of the the larger thing is whether it's whether it's officiating or your offense, you can't allow that to affect what's happening on the other, the, the part you can control which every coach is going to say defense, you know, like you can control your defense, you can control your effort on that side, which is where we're landing here in the end, I think, is uh what he says here last is um consistently putting in the work to be the team you want to be. And how was this set up? What was the question that was phrased to get him to talk about the way he did here? Yeah, it was asked. Uh, he was asked by a Rutgers reporter, uh, a, a reporter who covers Rutgers, I should say, uh, about how he wants to model his program, right? And if there's anything that he can take away from the experiences that they've had at Rutgers uh, and seeing that team up close and, you know, he, he kind of dismissed it at first. Uh, but then he went into how hard they play. They consistently play hard, right? We don't. We play hard. We play as hard as they do, right? And that's something that we can build upon. That's something that we can build off of. They have an identity. Their defense is their identity. Right now, we're playing through our offense way too much. We need to get back to being a defensive team, right? We can score the ball when we do it, but, you know, when we get our heads down because we missed a shot or something's happened, you know, now we don't want to guard. Now we don't want to be tough. And like, that ain't who I'm, that ain't who I am. Ain't who I want to be. Ain't what my, want my program to be. Is this a part of the conversation where Michael Shrewsbury uh, is, is being the coach he didn't want to be from a couple weeks ago where he was talking about like I too much in these, um, too much no. of these details to, or is this something, a different conversation? No, I think it's, I think it's, he realizes that it's another moment in which he has to draw the best version of his team out. And he believes fundamentally that the best version of his team is one that is look. 
I've watched years and years of Penn State basketball, and they have had teams built around sometimes making shots and sometimes not making shots, right? And so either way, they had to play hard defensively. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't great shooters. Like, there was only one or two good, not great shooters. This Penn State team has really good to great shooters. Andrew Funk is a great shooter. Jalen Pickett is a good shooter. Cam Winter is a good shooter. Seth Lundy is a good shooter. Miles Dredd is a good shooter. That's five guys who can yeah. shoot it from deep. They, it is not a question of whether or not they can. They just need to do it. And so when that doesn't happen, though, you you still you have to be consistent either way on the defensive end of the floor. And they're they're not being that right now. They're not getting anything from the five spot. That's a work in progress. That's a conversation for another day. It, it just it is what it is. But the things that are within their control are stepping up, making shots when they need to. And even when they don't go in, even when the moment is too big, what have you, and it's not the outcome that you want, you still got to be able to turn around and run back to the other end of the floor and get a stop, get a rebound, do, do, right? Be, be yeah. tough, not not foul, not take easy fouls. Uh, all, all of those things, I think, are critiques that he is right in making and are fixable. The mm -hmm. things that this team can can work on and improve moving forward. So where does that leave us going forward? Next game is Michigan on Sunday, correct? Yep. Yep. So Penn State, Michigan, Sunday. Michigan is the third place team in the league right now. They are five and three. Penn State is the 10th place team in the league standings right now. They are four and five in the league. Okay. So one win separates the third team from the 10th team. Yeah. Right. In, in terms of total wins. Uh, it, like it's huge. It's huge. That was a game that Penn State played tough and played close out at Michigan, but ended up on the losing side of. You would think that Penn State could be at minimum competitive again. Uh, it's at the Bryce Jordan Center. It's at noon. Home game, weekend game, all of the stuff. Uh, Thon game. I see. Thon game. Schedule. Yeah. Thon game on the schedule. So, like, all of the reasons that are cited as. Uh, I don't want to call them excuses, but reasons for fans not to, to show up aren't, aren't there. Yeah. Except for one, except for one, which is they're coming off of a blowout loss. Yeah. All of the, like, it is just such a hard league to build up any momentum to build up yeah. any steam from. And, and this and is a, this is a dangerous game. Looking at the schedule, you lose at Rutgers. You got at Purdue coming up after that. This is right for a three game losing streak and to put them Correct. in a position they don't want to be in. So Which is, it's a very, once again, we talked about getting some wins early in the season and you said, well, yep. yeah, it's the most important two games stretch until the next one. Yep. No. And they've, and they've had, they've had these opportunities previously that they weren't able to cash in on. And this is yeah. just the latest one, right? Clemson on the road, uh, Wisconsin on the road, Michigan on the road. These were winnable games that Penn state hasn't been able uh, to, to pull, to pull out, but you get another one at, at Rutgers. Couldn't do it. Right. But like on the back side of this Michigan game, like now it makes it even more important to hold serve at home, because if you fall into a three game losing streak, it could be a hole that they're not able to get out of. Yeah. And the, the, the last thing here is kind of I've harped on this, I think, probably too much at times, but it is absolutely a part of the conversation for this game is 
how are you getting fans to the game? Um, yep. How are you, you just mentioned it, but this is, I guess, one one of the reasons I was talking about these big game atmospheres at the Palestra. You put in an effort, even if you don't win, and that game is competitive in the second half, and like you fight to the very end. People might want to come from Philly for a game on a Sunday to watch you play again because you played awesome and they want to see you in another big time atmosphere. But yep. you lost. You lost some high leverage games. And now you have the opportunity to have a home court advantage, to have it uh, on a weekend, to draw people in from the region, which is how this team is going to be successful. And those bricks that you needed to lay, they're pretty uneven. You know, the you got the mortar all wrong and some of them are chipped. And like you, you have not built what you needed to give yourself the best possible opportunity to have that home court advantage. So how do they get it done here? How do they take this opportunity and get it done? Yeah. Um, like there's some context to this that has that has to be added, which is on Monday at his press conference, Shrewsbury was, was um, you know, they had just had their biggest home crowd of the season on Saturday mm -hmm. against Nebraska. And to say that the building lacked juice, I think is fair. Okay. Uh, how much of that is Penn State's fault? And how much of it is fans fault? I think it's probably an even split. Penn State mm -hmm. played an ugly game against Nebraska, but was able to, to pull out a double digit win. Uh, and fans weren't really all that into it, <laughs> even though even though there were some moments where uh, yeah. it, it really might have helped them. And so I think that that kind of sparked this. I'm not going to call it a soliloquy, but like you're just like, hey, Rutgers has atmosphere atmosphere is everything it, it really dictates so much of what happens it yeah can really play a huge part in in how a, a game's outcome happens okay fast forward you go into yeah. that rough environment you get waxed now you come back and the environment that you're so desperate to find and you're pleading for it might or might not be there. Like we're going to see, yeah. we're, we're going to see whether or not that challenge is, is accepted yeah. by Penn state fans. If they're into the game, if the, if they're, if the people who show up, if the people that are in the building on Sunday can possibly be loud, but I've seen the other side of it, right? The other side of it from the fan side is okay. Coach is saying that fans are needed to get over the top. Fans don't like they're already on the fence and yeah. you've just, you've just laid a goose egg Like you've yeah. just put out this terrible product that wasn't, you know, it's not something that's appealing to you. How are you going? Like you're, you're less invested. You don't want to make that yeah. three hour drive for a Sunday yep. afternoon game, but it's, it's self-perpetuating, right? It's, yeah. it, it doesn't matter which side you're coming at it from either way. If the fans aren't invested, if the fans aren't involved and aren't helping the team, I'm not saying it's like this overriding factor, but the, but they're more likely to lose. There is. So <laughs> like, he, yeah, the, this is the So here is a circular conversation we've had for decades with Penn State basketball. There are so many things that go against the fans in the situation of getting that atmosphere. Correct. The drive. Right. And let's also have this conversation one more time. The Bryce Jordan Center is an awful hole that has absolutely no soul to it. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm going to be offending people, but this has been a conversation that's pretty obvious that you have to, not only do you have to make the effort to go there, you have to make the extra effort to be extra loud compared to other people in America in other venues because it is so cavernous. And, it, you know, it's designed to be a multi-functional facility, and it does that very well. Like, you can host anything from the circus to Bruce Springsteen in there, uh, Thawne. You know, th- there are moments you've been in the Bryce Jordan Center where you have felt energy on the level of a big game atmosphere or a big crowd atmosphere. But it takes it takes a lot to get there. And for, you talk about the palestra, how small it is, how hot it gets. You know, the fans are right on top of you, X, Y, and Z. We've had these conversations about the Bryce Jordan Center for years now. So it's, I, I, I don't blame Micah Shrewsbury for having this conversation with the fans, but it's the same one we've been having for forever. And I don't know that it's all on them as much as it is on the circumstance. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a combination. It really is. Yeah. Is Penn State Penn State fans will support a winner. Uh the the coach is asking Penn State fans to buy low and sell high, right? He's yeah. he's asking them to get in early on the investment and yep. say, "Hey, by you supporting this company, this effort, you can help them reach the things that will make the experience more appealing for you in the first place. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's the entire pitch. And, uh, and there's the Bryce also Jordan the, center. Sorry. The Bryce, Jordan center, the, the Bryce Jordan center can be okay. Too yeah. good too electric. When the people that are there are into it. We'll look when, at when they're like come, over upcoming the Friday, in. Friday, there's going to be a BJC duel. One of the, one of the biggest atmospheres in, uh, in Olympic sports is Penn State wrestling at the Bryce Jordan center. So everything I just said, forget what I just said. Cause you're right. It can be a great atmosphere. If the situation arises, it can. And, yeah. and so that's, that's the question though, is Penn State, Penn State fans, Penn State basketball, the Bryce Jordan, like everybody that's involved in this now has uh, today is Wednesday, right? Four days to decide if the moment rises to the occasion of going berserk, like putting all of it into it of, is this game at four and five in the big 10 with aspirations still, I think very much within reach. This is still a bubble team after a 20 point road loss to a quad one team. Like, is it still worth making the investment? I, I would argue. Yes. But fans are going to have to make that determination. Penn State basketball is going to have to figure out how to play better, how to to put up a more competitive effort uh, than it did in its last outing. And the Bryce Jordan Center is going to have to figure out how to put on uh, a a show that people enjoy that makes them want to come back. Like, it's all of it combined. And here it is. This, This is, we've talked about crossroads during the season like three or four times now. <laughs> and this is another major crossroad for Penn state basketball as it works uh, towards trying to end this streak of, of no NCAA tournament appearances. So what you're saying is this, this season is the worst transportation system where there are too many crossroads and there's not enough clear direction of where you're going. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it can, it can be, it's certainly compelling. Uh, you know, anybody who wants to pay attention to Penn state basketball, I'm not saying that it's a fun ride if you're invested in it, but as an observer of it, it like, I mean, up and down and up and down, it is constantly compelling. There's, there are storylines from every angle. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. 
So what do you think? We'll get out of here on this. Just we've seen this Michigan team before. Yeah. How do you think at home things change? And what's your I'm not going to give ask you for a prediction because I hate I hate that. But yeah. uh, do you what do you how do you think this game will play out without a score at the end of your comments? Uh, I don't think I'm ready to do that. I I, I mean, I would just okay. say that it is not. Penn State has faced a string of talented big men. Hunter Dickinson is one of them. Uh, they don't have to kill you. They, they don't have to be this toxic, you know, insurmountable thing that you, you just, you're an opponent that you're not able to get past. Uh, there are ways to handle him. There are ways to handle the shooters around him. Uh, Penn State, Penn State just has to, to, to do it. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it is simply a matter of time and place and score and not constantly being in a hole, not right. You'll trade three for two. That, that's okay. You can play a game like that and win a game like that. Uh, and that's the type of game that I think Penn state would like to play. You got to do it. You got to, you got to execute it. And I think it's going to be a real moment. Uh, like this is after uh, Purdue when Michael Shrewsbury challenged Penn state, his team, they had Indiana on the backside of it, who was had lost a couple of games. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis was hurt and played through it. This is not that. This is not yeah. that. Uh, Michigan is a better team than that. Uh, they're a well-coached team, and so you're, you're going to have a tougher challenge getting through this game, but also one that's not beyond reach. It is certainly a winnable game for this team. Again, all the things that he's asking for over the last 45 minutes that we've been talking about this, of somebody stepping up outside of Jalen Pickett, Andrew Funk, and Seth Lundy. Like those three guys have to play better than they did on Tuesday night, but also you've got to be able to get those complimentary pieces to give you something and to, to play like the seniors that they are. Cam Winter and Miles Dredd particularly have, have got to be able to produce. They've got to be able to contribute. If uh, if this show has fired you up and you're ready to go to a Penn State basketball game, say hi to Nate when you're there. One of his favorite things. So he'll be there at the Bryce Jordan Center. And if you're going, um, you know, make sure you say hi. And if you're listening to the show, once again, I said at the beginning, uh, please like the the video if you're watching here on YouTube. And if you're listening on our podcast side, thank you for such strong support on that side. Make sure you give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, tell your friends. Here's the thing is like we do a lot of stuff and we put out a lot of great work. We are a very fast growing site at bluewhiteillustrated.com, which you can sign up for just $29.99 and get access till next football season. So you can get inside access for Penn State basketball as they make their push to, I think, from their hope, the NCAA tournament. Uh, but you get all the insider information from all the other sports we had uh, yesterday. Uh, Greg Pickle and I previewed the wrestling uh, dual meet with Iowa one versus two. That's coming up uh, on Friday. You can hang out with Greg Pickle and get his thoughts on the Lions Den message forum. Also coming up today, if you're watching this live on YouTube at 4 p.m. Tonight, we have a very special guest, Anthony Specka. He is a four-star linebacker. He's coming to Penn State. He committed to the Nittany Lions a little over a week ago, uh, eight days ago. He joins the show. He is Nate. I told him on the show, quick preview, he can opt out of Penn State's media training in his freshman season because this dude ah. is so polished. Holy wow like it just a very well put together young man who who spoke in, in 
such eloquence that I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to go a half hour. I told him 20 minutes and we went a full 30 minutes. So it's a great interview coming up uh, tonight at seven, all that stuff. All you got to do is subscribe to blue white illustrated on YouTube. And of course, blue Nate, thank you for sitting for through that. And if you're listening to still listening, thank you to sitting through that. Nate, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks.